Welcome to this episode of Miss Law Explains Things. Hi, welcome back to another episode of Miss Law Explains Things. So we are transiting back to macro this week and the main topic that we're looking at is how different countries approach the problem of income inequality. So the article I'm looking at is how the West has lost its way and what can be done to restore social mobility. And the purpose of this episode is really to compare and contrast different examples for you to think about how different countries actually approach the same problem in different ways. Right? Because I think we get very stuck in our thinking and we think that there's only like, well, you know, this kind of fiscal policy, monetary policy, redistributive policy. But different countries face different problems and different constraints. So that really helps to broaden our understanding. So interestingly, I think in this article it was written in the context of how after like three decades of worsening in economic income in inequality, a lot of these advanced country populations are actually very angry right? and they have demanded a lot of action on this, right? So they want social mobility, right? So nowadays actually parents cannot assume that their children will be better off than they are, right? And it's usually linked to geography. Uh, because urban areas typically do much better than rural ones according to some uh, reports that have been done. Right? So across the developed world, right, even in France for example, GDP per capita rose from 148% to 165% right, in like for example Paris. Right? But in a less developed part of France like Lorraine, the figure fell from 95% to 76% in the same period. Same country, okay? Same country, just different area. Right, so inequality is not only viewed in terms of like between different countries, but also within the country. So think about what you've learned in the standard of living, right? So you think that, ooh, as a whole, France is doing much better, but does that mean that everybody is doing better? Or what is the Gini coefficient? What is the level of income uh, inequality happening over there? The divide can also be seen, for example, in Germany. So like, for example, uh, in Germany's poorest state, uh, mecklenburg vorpommern right? GDP per capita was like US 29,133 and that's like 60% lower than Hamburg which is like US 69,000. 69 versus 29,000. That's like a very big difference. Okay. And because of that, right, there's been a lot of important implications for social mobility, right? Because we realize that a lot of the roots of this income inequality actually kind of lie in the kinds of economic policies that were done in 1980s. So actually the US and the UK in the 1980s, so Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher, they pursued a lot of structural reforms, right? They tried to boost competitiveness by rebalancing their economies away from manufacturing and curbing the power of unions. So what are unions? Unions are basically worker unions that protect workers' rights and ensure that they are paid a certain wage. So think of like minimum wage, for example. Those are the uh, people who might be pushing for those kinds of policies. But while some of the reforms that they were doing were in some ways warranted, but interestingly, there was like stagflation, by the way, in the 1970s, which the economy is stagnant, but inflation is very high. And that's actually like a double issue, right? Because economy not doing well, eroding purchasing power. Little has been done to mitigate the social consequences, right? So the policy actually had a sort of failure, okay? Uh, and it's exacerbated by the effects of technological progress, right? So economist Dennis J. Snower calls it as a decoupling of economic and social trajectories. So even as GDP continued to grow, real wages and prospects for advancement stagnated or deteriorated for large swaths of the population and doesn't sound good, right? 
so because of that I think a lot of people are actually stuck um, in a lot of low paying jobs and there's a little hope of uh, getting ahead because they're stuck in a kind of limbo they earn too little to make ends meet but too much to qualify for government support right and we might be able to contrast this with what Singapore thinks so Singapore actually have a very skills based approach so you are trying to reskill people such that they have the necessary skills to uh, work in more high paying jobs you know so you're trying to let them work for example in tech jobs or jobs that require certain skills so over time right uh, these people who are earning the lower paying jobs in these advanced economies become increasingly isolated they become very resentful right and that dynamic has became become even more pronounced in the US and even in the UK where it fueled support for Brexit so with much of the Western world having followed, I think, all of the example, it is afflicting all developed economies and dividing a lot of societies. So interestingly, none of this is actually surprising because by 1995, the sociologists described that the perverse choices demanded by globalization. So this is actually interesting to kind of link it to globalization because to become and remain competitive in international markets, countries had to use resources in ways that threaten social cohesion and political freedom. These choices led, for example, to a new form of inequality, right? So building paths to the top for some and digging holes for others, right? And because of that, there was the emergence of an underclass who were excluded. So advanced economies overriding tasks for the subsequent decade was, for example, to kind of square this circle of wealth creation, right? But more than two decades later, most have not even attempted that feat because they focus on economic growth and not its distribution. So how are we going to enhance economic security on the whole? It does not mean implementing protectionist policies which will not only undermine economic growth as we know but also potentially reinforce a lot of our problematic politics, right? Okay. Instead, it requires a more cohesive program right, in which we can increase economic security and social and political engagement. And I think that really comes in the form of, you know, how are we going to redistribute income in such a way that it does not put too much uh, emphasis or so much stress on uh, the government budget, while also ensuring that people continue to remain uh, independent, right, and continue to want to retain the incentive to work. So I think looking at what the West has been doing, right, it's also important to kind of bring in Singapore's example of a skills-based uh, approach, you know, where people are actually rewarded based on the skills that they possess. So we're going to go look at a bit this deeper, I think, in some subsequent episodes, uh, particularly probably in next week, where we're going to look at Singapore's progressive wage model. So I think that'll be an interesting link. And I will see you in next week's episode as we delve deeper into Singapore's uh, labour market challenges, opportunities and response. Thank you.